there is a certain nobility to work. It gives weight to our actions and purpose to our time. We find meaning in purpose, so we willingly invest our lives and energy. The work can be painstaking, but there's a longing for perfection. There's joy and peace in a job well done. When we fail to complete a project or don't do our best work, it can be profoundly upsetting. We feel regret over the wasted time. We know the time we get here is a gift, and we've seen how fleeting life can be. We don't want our lives to be defined by wasted opportunities or by what we might have been. This knowledge drives us to accomplish something meaningful. We want to leave a mark. We've learned that the great joys in this life require time and commitment. And so we work, investing our lives into that which seems most worthy. We look at life's journey as one grand project. We take pride in all we accomplish, but truly celebrate the great works of time. We praise 50-year marriages and stand in awe of works of art like the Sistine Chapel. We understand legacy. This understanding is why we don't call a life cut short upsetting. We call it tragic. Life is precious and often short. We treasure long life and do everything we can to stall time. Because no matter how long or how hard we work, no matter how much energy we put in or how much recognition we receive, we're all building the same legacy. Two dates, one dash. We're all finishing the same project. What is your life? That's a great question. And the Bible has an answer, one word. In English, it's just four letters. You ready? What is your life? You are a mist. A mist that appears for a little while. And then vanishes. Several years ago, I began to have a lot of what I thought were spirit-inspired reflections on mortality. Perhaps because I recognize I have ascended the hill. I've looked over the top and I'm on the other side now. But God began birthing in me for over a couple of years thoughts that have welled up into this series you're going to be listening to for the next several weeks. And it has one simple aim. To motivate you to recalibrate your priorities, to line up with the consistent biblical witness regarding the brevity of life. Because unless you are Elvis... You are going 
to die. (laughs) Scripture is very clear about this. The Hebrew writer says, each person is destined to die. So aren't you glad you braved icy roads and came to church today? And yet, the Bible does not intend for this reality to be intimidating, but actually liberating. That in fact, there is a freedom that is going to be released when we start to line up our lives with what I will call missed understandings. So let's just dive right in. All of us have an expiration date. From the moment we were born, we have lived in the shadow of death. Probably no one realized this more than Moses, because no one who has ever lived waited for more funerals than that man. Think about his life. He's had one passion, one dream, one life obsession since he was a young man to deliver the children of Israel, to return them to the land of promise. They get right to the border of that land. And then God judges the generation of his peers to be unfaithful and unworthy of possession. So God gives to Moses this job assignment. Walk around in circles for over 30 years until all of your generation has died. And so for over 30 years, Moses went to funerals. Dozens every day as more and more of his peers passed Service after service, memorial after memorial, eulogy after eulogy, just watching a generation die. And it was heavy to him. And so he wrote a song. It's in our Bible. It's called Psalm 90. Notice how it starts. Lord, You have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. See, God is not a recent invention. God doesn't have a birth date. As Moses reflected on all of these funerals, He was overwhelmed with an appreciation of the eternality of God. That God's name is, is. Because God just is. There was never a before God. There won't be an after God. God has always been, is. And he goes to all these funerals who people who were and now they're not. But God is, and he starts to compare the eternality of God with the frailty of man, the foreverness of God with the finiteness of man. So notice what he says about us. Verse 3, you turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, 
you mortals. Kansas is right. All we are is dust in the wind. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. So when you look in Scripture for the metaphors of what our lives are like, they all emphasize brevity. There's that start date, and there's that end date, and there's not a lot in between. Dust, grass, vapor, shadow, breath, mist. Now, because in our particular culture, we have more resources than most, we think about this less. We are able to purchase enough trinkets and toys to distract our minds from the shortness of our dash. And this is common, but it is not wisdom. Eugene Peterson said he was visiting a Benedictine monastery one time, and the path from the prayer place to the cafeteria went right by a cemetery. And as they were walking to lunch, he saw an open grave. So he asked a monk, who is that for? And they said, the next one. Every day they walked by that cemetery with the reminder that one day one of them will be the next one. In the Jewish Talmud, Men are instructed to repent the day before they die. Of course, that raises the question, how do you know the day before you die? You don't. So you live every day like it's the day before you die. Because you are missed. He goes on to say, verse 10, Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Isn't it interesting? He wrote this song thousands of years ago and says, you're going to get 70 years, maybe 80. And after all of our technological advances and studies in medicine, how long does the average American live? About 77, 78 years. So I want you to turn to the person sitting beside you and say, You don't have long to live. Now, if you are a young person, I'm going to say anybody under about 30, you're having trouble connecting to what I'm saying right now. You don't live with missed understandings because if you're under about 30, you think you are imperishable. But when you get my age... You are a part of the generation that can hurt themselves sleeping. I mean, seriously, I talk to my friends. What's wrong with your neck? I don't know. I think I slept wrong. We can hurt ourselves sleeping, and this is what's waiting for you. They have these websites that you can go to, and you can put in information about your age, your medical history, your lifestyle choices, and they will tell you your projected date of death. So I did that this week because I'm in fairly decent shape. I don't drink and smoke. I get a little more time than average. My projected date death is October the 15th, 2044. I will be 88 years, one month and four days. 
By the way, that is on a Saturday. So I hope it happens after the Saturday night service so that you won't be in the lurch on Sunday hearing my sermon. I'm reminded of the story of the guy that went to the doctor for a physical. And 48 hours later, the doctor calls and says, I've got bad news and worse news. The bad news is you're going to die in two days. What's worse than that? Well, I've been trying to call you since yesterday. (laughs) See, here's the truth. You had nothing to do with the first date. And you have no idea when the second date is going to be. Here's what you get to control. The dash. You get to decide how you will spend the dash. And to spend it well, you need some missed understandings. Look at verse 12. Moses says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. What you need to do your dash well is wisdom. The wisdom that says that we all need to count our days so that our days will count. Because the real tragedy is not that everyone's dying. The real tragedy is that many of us are not living while we are still alive. You see, it's significant. There is no recorded event of the history of Israel during all that wandering time. For years and years and years, they just walked in circles and they went to funerals. And they didn't accomplish anything of significance. And it became heavy to Moses. Oh God, give us wisdom. Teach us to number our days. See, here's the thing about wisdom. It will not protect you from a wounded life. And don't let any preacher tell you it will. Don't let any preacher tell you, if you'll just line up your life to the will of God, you won't have pain or suffering in your life. Wisdom will not protect you from a wounded life. Wisdom will protect you from a wasted life. And it starts with a missed understanding. Look again, verse 12 from another translation. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Now, if you didn't already think I am a geek, this next story will convince you. I went to a very large public high school, but the truth is I was in some accelerated classes. And so I went every day with the same group of 20 or 25 kids from one class to another. And some of my classmates liked to play chess and they taught me to play. We actually bought these little magnetic boards so when our assignment in one class was through, we could play chess, carry the game to the next class to finish the game later. Yes, I was a part of the nerd herd. (laughs) And I got to be pretty good at chess. I say pretty good. I got to where I could play and see 10 to 15 moves in advance of what I wanted to happen on the board. Because here's the thing. To win at chess, you make every move with the end in mind. My guess is most of you have done retirement planning. 
Have you done any expirement planning? My friend Bob Russell says, Christians do not have a death wish, but we do have a death strategy. Realizing that time is limited is a motivation to me so that every move is made with the end in mind. I'm not talking about time management. I'm talking about life management because I want to really live the days I am alive. And this is a liberating reality if it is informed by the possessor of eternality. Where do I go for wisdom to how to use my time? I go to the one who is beyond time, who authored time, who is from everlasting to everlasting. If you want to know how to use your dash, talk to the one who doesn't have a start or a finish. As David said, Psalm 39, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You've made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. We're merely moving shadows. All our busy, rushing ends in nothing. We heap up wealth, not knowing who will spend it. And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? My only hope is in you. Give me wisdom, God. And when you start to live your life with what we're going to be learning the next six weeks, with missed understandings, there are a couple of priorities that will become indispensable to your life management. You're going to hear me say them over and over. Here's the first. That when you understand you are missed, then you understand that every day is a gift to receive. Most of us do not like to see money wasted. We shake our heads at the person that wins the lottery and a few years later is declaring bankruptcy. The athlete that signs a $50 million contract and three years after his playing career is over, he's arrested selling drugs because he doesn't have any money. But you see, there's something we waste more precious than money. Days. You say, time is money. No, it isn't. Time's more valuable than money. You can lose money and get some back. You can't get more time. Go to the hospital and find a person that is just about to die and ask them what they would rather have. More dollars or more days? When I was in high school, a popular songwriter was named Jim Croce. And he wrote a very beautiful love ballad called Time in a Bottle. It starts like this. If I could save time in a bottle, the first thing that I'd like to do is to save every day till eternity passes away. Just to spend them with you. But you don't get to save time. And ironically, just a few months after he wrote that song, Jim Croce died in a plane crash just 30 years old. 
How many of you, hold up your hand, how many of you think people are going to die this year? How many of you think you're going to die this year? You see, I find it interesting that God does not say through Moses, teach us to number our years. We count years. But God says every day counts. You woke up this morning. By God's grace, you sucked air into your lungs. By God's grace, you had the energy to roll out of bed, put your feet on the floor, and stand up. God gave you today. Enjoy it. Because you don't know if you get tomorrow. You have today. It is a gift. It is a grace. And some of you are wasting today with when, then thinking. Well, when this, and when that, and when they, then I'm going to really live. Some of you, your favorite day of the week is someday. You know what God's favorite day is? God's favorite day is today. He says it over and over and over. Psalm 118, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Today is the day for rejoicing. You don't know how long your dash is going to be. If there's some happy in you, let it out today. Today's a good day to rejoice. It's a good day to repent. Three times the Hebrew writer says, today, if you hear his voice, Do not harden your hearts. Because you and I know there are times in our lives where God speaks to us and God confronts us. And God says, I want this to change. I want you to alter your course and stop going that way and start going this way. And I don't mean next week and I don't mean tomorrow. I mean now. Because every time you delay obedience, your heart gets harder. Today is the day to obey God. Today is the day to get saved. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, For God said, At just the right time I heard you, and on the day of salvation I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Already this weekend, five people have said, today is the day I want to accept Christ, I want to proclaim Christ, I want to get baptized. And somebody needs to join them. And somebody right now listening to my voice is thinking, I need to proclaim Jesus. And the devil is whispering, yes you do. Someday. And the Spirit is shouting. Today. The fact is, your days are numbered. And so you don't want to waste a single one. Barbara Brown Taylor tells this story of a professor that went to speak at this military base, and he was picked up at the airport by a soldier named Ralph. 
And while they were walking to baggage claim, Ralph kept disappearing. I mean, he stopped to help an old woman whose suitcase had fallen open. He stopped to uh, help a couple of kids get up on Santa's lap. He, he, he wandered off to help a young couple who were lost and needed some directions. And every time he came back, he had a big old smile on his face. And finally, the professor said, Ralph, how would you learn to live like this? And Ralph said, Vietnam. During my tour of duty, I was assigned to clear minefields. I watched friends blow up in front of me. You never knew when you pick up your foot and you put it down if you'd ever take another step. And I learned to get the most out of every moment between the steps. You see, when you realize you are missed, you will start noticing all those moments each day to laugh and to love that you might have missed. Because each day, the important must trump the urgent. Have you heard of Calvin? Not the famous Reformed theologian. I'm talking about the kid in the cartoon strip, Calvin and Hobbes. He said one time, God put me on this earth to accomplish a certain number of things. Now, right now, I'm so far behind, I will never die. (laughs) Well, here's the reality. You are not going to be able to do everything you would like to do in your dash. You're going to have to make some choices. And if you don't make them, life will make them for you. And life will constantly pressure you to respond to the urgent. And you'll get to the important someday. One of my favorite preachers is named John Ortberg. He tells a story when his three children were smaller. His wife was out that evening, so it was his job to get them bathed and into bed. Laura was already out of the tub and had her pajamas on. Little Johnny was still in the water. And Mallory had just gotten out of the tub, dripping wet. Now, you need to know that in the Ortberg house, there was something called the D-Da-Day dance. That was when you were so full of joy. That it had to be expressed. And so you would run around in circles singing D-Da-Day, D-Da-Day. And this particular night, little Mallory is so filled with euphoria that out of that tub, dripping wet, she's just running around in that bathroom floor singing D-Da-Day, D-Da-Day. And John says, Mallory, hurry up. So she did. She ran faster in circles. D-Da-Day, D-Da-Day. And he shouted, no, Mallory, over here so I can dry you off. Hurry. And little Mallory asked a profound question. Why? And John realized he didn't have a good answer. There was no meeting he had to get to, no assignment to finish, no sermon to write. He had just fallen into the lifestyle of rushing and hurrying and seeing how busy you could be, that here before him was unbridled joy. 
an unadulterated invitation to dance. And so, he put down the towel and he grabbed her little hands. And they ran in circles singing, Dida Day, Dida Day. Because you don't get to save time. Your days are numbered. You get to invest time. And if you don't make the choice, someone will make it for you. Are you living the dash or just dashing to live? Moses says that God, who is from everlasting to everlasting, can give you the wisdom to discern what is really worth your time so that you can really live while you're still alive. Think about Jesus. He lived less than half the number of days of the average lifespan. But you never see Jesus in a hurry. He's never too busy for somebody. He's never rushing to get one more place. Yet he accomplished everything God wanted him to do. Okay, you ready? You have time to do everything God wants you to do. You know, I I know I should read my Bible every day, but I'm telling you, workers just, no, 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 no. You have time to do everything God wants you to do. I know I should make more of the kids' games, but I'm telling you, no, no, no. You have time to do everything God wants you to do. I know our marriage needs some help and we should get some counseling, but I don't see how we're going to fit it in. No, no, no. You have time to do everything God wants you to do. Now, you know this deep in your heart. Because you know someday when you stand before the Lord, if He judges anything about your life to be inadequate, you are not going to say, well, God, it wasn't fair. You had expectations of me I never had time to get to. You do not need more time. You need more wisdom to use your time well. Last summer I heard a brilliant example of a young lady who gets it. Dr. James Wolfe was much beloved in his community. But he was in the final stages of pancreatic cancer. His beloved daughter Rachel, 25, had always wanted to dance with her daddy at her wedding. But she wasn't engaged. 
That did not keep her from living with wisdom. Watch this clip. Her wedding dance had everything except for the groom, but that's just the way it was supposed to be. 25-year-old Rachel Wolf wasn't engaged. She doesn't have a fiancé, but she does worry that when the time does come, her father won't be around to share the joy of a wedding. Her father is losing his battle with pancreatic cancer. And so instead of missing that opportunity, her friends and family arranged a special ceremony where father and daughter could share a dance. I love you. I love you, Rachel. Let's go dance, okay? Thank you so much, Daddy, for coming to this. I wouldn't have missed it. I wouldn't have missed it. Doctors have given James a three-month outlook, but even with that, says he's not afraid of dying and says he won't miss his girls because he'll always be there. As for Rachel, she plans on showing that video at her actual wedding. Whenever that happens, the video of her dance with her dad. And so, to the strains of Stephen Curtis Chapman's I'll Dance with Cinderella, a young woman with missed understanding made sure that what was really important wasn't missed. I want you to live with wisdom. And so you've got homework. Here's your homework. This week, I want you to take one thing off your someday list. And I want you to email me and tell me what it is. Maybe it's an apology you need to give, or maybe it's a forgiveness you need to offer. Maybe it's a witness to a loved one you need to share. Maybe it's a lifestyle change you need to make so you can start being more healthy. Maybe it's a promise to God you need to keep. But this week, one thing, take it off your someday list because you're wise. And one more thing. I'd like you every day this week, each morning, to start your day with the prayer that Moses closed his song with. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love. That we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Do you want to enjoy your days, not endure them? You know what frustrates our dash? We seek the wrong things for validation. We think boardrooms and bedrooms and ball games are going to satisfy that ache we have to be validated. No, God's love, which is forever, everlasting to everlasting, is what you're looking for. You start your day with the prayer, God, let me today be satisfied with your love for me. And you will be glad. All day. It's one thing that must not be missed. So I'm going to pray over you right now. I'm asking God that you be with those who are young at heart right now. 
It's hard for those who are young to think this message applies to them. They don't understand, like some of us do, how quickly the years go by. So my prayer is that those who are young will start making moves with the end in mind. That they will start developing the habits right now for a living life well. I pray that you would be with those of us who consider ourselves middle-aged. That we will not let the past define us, but we will live for what's next and what's new. That we will be motivated to start about the business of doing what's important. And stop letting other voices be our wisdom. And finally, God, I pray for those that know the race is almost over. And there's not many laps left. That they will finish strong. That they will finish with joy. And they will pass on a legacy of wisdom. Help us, God, to live our dash to the glory of Jesus. Amen. You can all stand up now. And we're going to have some prayer people down front because today's the day to get help. Today is the day to ask for prayer. Today is the day to say, help me get saved. I want Jesus. Please come.